Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the UK Film Review Podcast. Uh, today, uh, your host will be uh, Robert State, and I am joined by guests. Um, introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Brian Penn. Hi, everyone. This is Joyce. Um, great to be here today. This is only my second time. I'm fairly new. So, yeah, great to be here again. Hello. Hi, guys. I'm Alicia. It's my second time, too. So, it's nice to be with a few new people today. Great. So uh, today we will be basically kind of discussing this this year's uh, Oscars ceremony or last year's Oscars ceremony, like the, the, the this year's Oscars ceremony, but for last year's films and for some of this year's films as well. It's complicated anyway. Um, so we're going to like, like we will be, uh, first we will be kind of like discussing the Oscars in general and then we will move on to discussing the films in particular uh but what we will do is we will go through each category one by one and we'll each give our opinions on like you know what we felt the films that were nominated and that we had seen uh whether or not we felt they deserved to be nominated whether or not there were any snubs anything like that and we will also be working uh backwards as well we'll, we'll start from uh best visual effects and then we will end uh, uh best picture so yeah, uh, so first of all, what I kind of want to open up the discussion to be about is um, whether or not like the Academy Awards now have actually shown any improvement from how they were back in the day or back in the past, um, as well as whether or not we think that they have really any kind of relevancy or any kind of value um because obviously that's what most people say is that they just do not have value and i kind of want to like open that up as a discussion and maybe you know potentially challenge that potentially not agree with it you know anything like that so first of all uh 
Brian, uh, do you think that they've improved and do you think that they have value in general? Yeah. I wouldn't say they've improved. I think they've been fairly consistent. It's, I think the, that the process of change has been very, fairly slow because I think we want the Oscars in general to, to reflect society more, more broadly. And I, I think it's beginning to do that. But it's, I think one of the problems it's always had is that it's always been run by the industry and the industry will always portray certain views and certain angles. But I think it is getting better slowly. I think they're still relevant. And I still think they represent the, the gold standard for filmmakers and, and actors because to win an Oscar gives you a license to work in Hollywood and you guarantee the budget for your next three or four movies. But I think, yes, they're still relevant. The ceremony is still relevant. It's, it's taking a while to change, but it won't change overnight because it is run by uh, individuals and organisations with a vested interest in something staying the way they are. But change does sometimes take a while. Okay, uh, Joyce? Yeah, I I agree with um with Brian sort of uh, opening opening statement. I think they they've um they've been sort of fairly consistent, but I think this year I've been um very very positively impressed by I think that the films that have nominated and put forward. So linking back to Brian's point about um reflecting society's situation and what society is interested in I think if we look at the films that have been put forward this year you know they um they take on the position of women in society uh things like disability um things like um racism and racial justice so these are um and also actually the pacifist movement and the anti-war movement so you know that's those are society's big worries and I think this year I felt like the the film industry in 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 the um in the form of the Oscars have maybe begun to acknowledge that and Mm -hmm. yeah I I think it's been an exciting year for for nominations and and do you think that that um kind of that that aspect inherently gives them value of reflecting society do you think that that alone makes them worth having uh, I think so. I think they're obviously a quality standard, but I think the the quality will never be there unless it's reflective of society. So definitely, that's what it needs to do. It needs to work more to do that. Um, but when we might be seeing the beginnings of that, hopefully, um, it's always kind of wait and see how how it continues because it needs to be a continuous job as well. Um, but, but yeah, I, I mean, I I do find them relevant. I think the short answer to that would be yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and what, uh, what what do you think, Alicia? Um, yeah, I do. I do agree with Joyce definitely on the the fact that they're bringing a lot more of what is actually happening in the world to the nominees. But I don't think I've ever seen that before. I think this year um, the pandemic probably played in that. With you know, I think seeing Borat on the nominees i made me so happy because it's such an obscure film that you would you wouldn't think be on you know the oscars list but i also agree with brian how it's a a very steady step towards change but also i don't know if i would say that they're relevant the ceremonies are always fun and it's always great to find new films you know through the different nominees maybe you didn't realize 
that one of the films was actually nominated and then they won. You went and saw the film and now it's one of your favourites. But something that always irks me a little bit is the fact that uh, <laughs> Brad Pitt has two Oscars to his name, um, but Jake Gyllenhaal has none. And I think that kind of sums up how I feel about the Oscars. Uh, I, I'm not sure if it's the right phrase to use, but it's very popularity-based rather than quality. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but... No, it does. Yeah, I think it does to me as well. If you think about how long it took for Leo DiCaprio to get his, that's, um, yeah, (laughs) that's irksome as well. So, no, definitely agree there with you, Alicia. I think Mm -hmm. one of the problems, though, with different categories within the Oscars is that you're not always comparing like with like. It's apples and oranges a lot of the time, isn't it? And oh, yeah. you, you cannot believe how some actors can be bypassed. Some films get, get neglected when they shouldn't be. And I think it's very difficult to draw a comparison because, as I say, you're not always comparing like with like. So that's what makes it even more challenging, isn't it? And open to opinion. Yeah, I know. And, and that's kind of partially how I feel because, like, you know, on the one hand, um, I hate how it creates, like, it, like inherently. So, well, in terms of, like, you know, in terms of, like, whether or not, like, they have improved, I do feel like they have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but, at the, it, like, in, t- in terms of, like, you know, uh, diversity in other areas, I agree with you guys in that, like, you know, it hasn't, yeah, yeah, it hasn't, it hasn't necessarily been quick, but it has slowly become more and more apparent that there have been more nominations towards people of colour, women um you know it, like even and even some of the films that get picked aren't the kinds of films that you would think that would have gotten picked like 20 years ago or anything yeah. as also partially just because of the extension of the nominees but even then it's like there are films that got nominated for this year's oscars that probably wouldn't have gotten nominated 10 years ago you know yeah. even when they still had 10 nominees yeah. um yeah. but what i think it kind of is mainly what I, what I put it down to is is two things first of all i think it they in general kind of create this very, very competitive nature. And I don't like that because to me, what movies should be about is all about, you know, like connection and just like sharing opinions with other people. And, you know, you might disagree on those opinions, but the the thing is, is that the Oscars kind of create this very competitive environment where it's all about what's better than what, you know, like what's like, what's the best, you know, and, as a result, any films that get snubbed get uh, create like in in the end create like a lot of hatred towards films that get recognised. You know, yeah. it's like you know it's yeah. always got to be like, oh man, this film shouldn't have been nominated, or oh man, this film didn't deserve to win this award, or this actor didn't deserve to win this award, or something like that. You know, and it's like, and obviously that can sometimes be worked out by choosing the right films, but sometimes it is just a matter of opinion. So as a result, you know, you'll have certain films that are really, really good, but get a lot of hatred thrown at them just because certain people deem them to be less deserving than this other film that they felt was more deserving. Um, And I think the opinion stuff is kind of where is what I'd say as well about whether or not they have value, because the thing is, is that they kind of what they basically are is they are like any other award ceremony. Because the thing about awards is that awards um, are kind of, I'm not sure what the right word to use would be, but they are basically kind of like physical embodiments of um, 
personal emotional feelings Mm -hmm. because the feeling of thinking that somebody has done very very well in something that's not like you know statistical or factual or anything like that that feeling can often be subjective so i feel like awards can often a lot of the time, not all the time, but a lot of the time, they can be inherently subjective. And the entire point of an like the entire point of a, an award is this organization is honoring what they deem to be the best in something. And sometimes what they deem to be the best will not be what lines up with other people's idea of what is the best. Um, so therefore, somebody can definitely say, "Oh, they don't have value." But somebody can just as easily say, oh, they do have value. Like, I don't think that there's a wrong opinion. I feel like both opinions are valid. You know, you can you can think that they have value. You can think that they don't have value. But at the same time, I don't think that, like, you know, one answer contradicts the other either. I think that both of them can exist on their own. Yeah. Yeah. I And definitely, you know, you can just also kind of not not rely on them for 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 what you decide to watch or not watch you know it's kind of a list that you can work through and you know some of it will be good and then you know it's it's up to you what you make of it isn't it really uh-huh. yeah alicia brian would you what, what, what do you guys think yeah i mean i'd go along with that generally i mean the um the end of the day um any any award ceremony it's it's about it all boils down, comes back to an opinion, doesn't it? And uh-huh. I think the people will always want, want to, will always covet any award because it's a degree of acceptance that people rate what you're doing. So they become very important to people. But it's it's almost about um, trying to please enough people within a very narrow field because the academy is comprised of a limited membership. And it's about pleasing those sufficiently to be nominated. And that is something, it's just that degree of acceptance that people are looking for, right? But also, as Joyce and Alicia have touched on, is that for us as, as film fans, it just provides um, a to-do list, if you like, to say, right, I've not seen this film, mm-hmm. let's check this out. But you keep an open mind because at the end of the day, it's just an opinion. Uh, but you tend to look upon the Oscars as a as a gold star, as a stamp of of, of, of quality, because it's been nominated or it's won an Oscar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Alicia, do you do you agree? I think um, for films, it's quite difficult. Especially, I I don't really like how high the Oscars have been put up in the stakes of you know quality and film and everything, because if you take the Nobel Prize, it's a it's a based on something that's very easily distinguished and film that the awards in cinema they are so personal because each project is completely different Mm -hmm. but you can still say that with you know with a Nobel Prize but it's a different type of emotional connection to their work where it's based on this is this deserves this prize because there is factual evidence here here you go here's a nice prize just to you know, reward your work. But with film, it's so different because each person, each cast you know, involved, they have such personal connections to their films that I don't, I just, I don't want them to think that 
the Oscars is the, you know, be all and end all, which has kind of evolved in that way. And I really hate it. You know, it's, it's, it should be treated as a kind of this fun, you know, award ceremony, but it is treated as a, well, this one won an Oscar. Well, I don't really like it. Well, how can you not like it? Well, that's my personal preference. But it does it for some reason that doesn't happen. People get very defensive with the Oscars. Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I personally wouldn't say that. I've seen like more hatred directed towards them than anything else. But I see, I do see what you mean, and I can, I can understand that. I mean, I mean, for people in the industry, I think it's it, it is definitely deemed as this like high star kind of thing that is that you could you should aspire to have, and that as a result can like also you know give you a chance to like you know get cast in more films or make your own films or become more popular and other stuff and um and so 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 in that sense yeah i can see how like not winning or not being nominated would be more of a blow um at the same time though you know like how many classic movies are there that didn't even get nominated for any oscars you know it's like so so i don't necessarily so i do feel like within the prism of film you don't necessarily need it to me to be deemed great or yeah. to be or to even be a classic, you know. Um, but I still I still totally agree with like what you're saying. Um, anyway, so yeah, so I think we should probably move on to like this this uh, ceremony in particular. Um, basically, so so we're gonna go through each of the categories and um so to keep and to keep in mind as well not all of us have seen all of these films Mm -hmm. uh so some of these categories will be much shorter than others and also what we will do is the only films that we will spoil will be or that we will allow ourselves to spoil will be films that all of us have seen so Mm -hmm. any the each of us haven't seen that any of us haven't seen we won't spoil and so yeah and that might not mean much to the viewer but it does mean stuff to the group because you know i don't want to ruin anything for anybody (laughs) Uh, okay so we will start with um best visual effects uh i will read out the list of nominations uh love and monsters the midnight sky mulan the one and only ivan and tenant so like, so what do we think about these nominations and who is our favourite or, or who are individual people's favourites? I mean, I've seen Tenet and I thought for, for visual effects, it was, it was pretty good. It was visually, it was visually enthralling. So I, I understand completely where, where the nomination's coming from. Um, yeah, and it kind be, of, yeah. it you know, it's almost driven by them. So, yeah. Yeah, would you agree, Alicia and Brian? Would would they be your favourites? Yeah, I think so. I think definitely Tenant, and I think Tenant's probably moving towards the the winning one there out of all the nominees. Maybe Love and mm-hmm. Monsters kind of in the mix for battling out Tenant, but um, Love and Monsters was actually really good. It was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And what do you think of the visual effects? Did do, do, do you think they even deserve to be nominated? Yeah, I think so. It was it was very um, it was very modern. I really liked how captivating and modern it was. I think the only one there that I maybe was kind of confused about is the Midnight Sky. Oh, how comes? 
Um, well, visual effects, they're great. Visual effects are awesome in that. But I think the, the music was probably the best part. But they've completely bypassed the music. Midnight Sky has only been um, nominated for visual effects. But yeah, that kind of made me disappointed because the visual effects are good, but the, the music is awesome. I could probably say the same about Tenet. And let me just like fangle over Travis Scott for a second yeah, <laughs> um, because it's awesome as well. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. It seems like it happens more often than, than I thought it did. So. Yeah, think, what about you, Brian? Yeah, I think we're best visual effects. I think we've become so accustomed to them being there and being that good. At times, you almost don't notice them because because of the way te- film technology moves forward at such a pace mm-hmm. that you, you kind of expect them to be good. So they don't always stand out quite as much as they normally would do. But the one that really stands out for me there really is Tenet because it's driven by visuals. Yeah. Um, and that, to me, is, is where it's going to go. And I think when you, when you get to the, te- the technical awards, um, a film like Tenet is is going to be it's going to be up there. It's Definitely. it's going to be a very strong contender, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. In, so in terms of my opinion, uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, Tenet had fantastic visual effects, uh, definitely, which not only stood out but also looked like I would say pretty seamless. You know, and that's kind of. And that's the kind of funny thing about Chris Nolan's films is, and that's one of the things I love about them is that they do use extensive visual effects, but they never like take you out of the moment. You know, they never like make the film feel less real. Yeah, even they're never they just kind of because, like, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's even. Like yeah, like yeah, even even funnier because like you know he doesn't typically use them, but whenever he does, I've noticed he always wins that. He always uh, wins it, you know. Like Inception mm-hmm. and Interstellar both got, both won the Oscar for best visual effects. Even though they used a lot of extensive practical effects, they still won the awards. But that's just because the visual effects that were in them were so good. I feel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, to move on to uh, best film editing. Uh, we have The Father, Nomadland, Promising Young Women, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. So to, and to also mention to everybody else, uh, out of the main films that got nominated, uh, none of us have seen The Father and none of us have seen Nomadland uh, yet. Obviously, we will we'll see it when it comes out, but they aren't out yet. So, neither, so we can't really discuss uh, either of those two films. Uh, but yeah, the other three in the category. Uh, yeah, what, what, what do you, uh, Alicia? What do you think about the best film editing category? What's your like favorite? And do, do you think there are any snubs? Um, promising young woman that has to. Ed- I'm so happy that it's in film editing. I love the editing on that. But I'm not sure about. Obviously, I haven't seen you know the Father in Nomadland, Sound of Metal, and the Trial of Chicago Seven. I haven't seen those yet but I've watched clips just to kind of prepare myself and kind of get my head around what could I possibly expect from it but when it that can only be played in you know with acting but for film editing the clips and stuff I can't really have an opinion in the editing but I'm Mm -hmm. still for promising young woman okay all right uh Brian Joyce yeah my choice there would be the trial of the Chicago seven I think because it's a multi-layered story and you've got multiple characters as well, all 
all coming into play, um, the editing becomes more important. I mean, editing for all films is important, but with a story like that, where it's, as I say, it's it's multi-layered, where you you're, you've got all these rapid transitions as the story moves along, that becomes more more significant, more important, and again, it makes it stand out more. I think, and that's personally what I would look for. So I think the editing is really down to the type of story that you're telling. I think as well, well. And that, that makes it stand out even more. So I would go with the trial of the Chicago Seven there. Okay. Uh, what about you, Joyce? I may agree with Brian. I think um, they. I think both the. You know, uh, just and just to start with, this is a masterpieces list. It's just a list of masterpieces. I think. Um, and I, you know, except for the ones that we haven't seen, but I'm pretty sure they are as well. So, but yes, I'm. I was thinking between Trial of the Chicago Seven and The Sound of Metal, um, just because you know, and they're both really emotive and you can really work with editing in terms of to, to evoke certain emotions. But I think in the fight of it may just be Trial of the Chicago 7 win it. Um, you know, they're, they're both equally outstanding films, I think. But in, in this particular award, yes, I'm, I agree with Brian. It might be the Trial of the Chicago 7 scooping up the Oscar for this one. Yeah, and yeah, and and so so personally speaking, for the three of the films that I have seen, uh, I think all of them deserve to be here. I think all of them are very very well edited. Um, mm-hmm. I would probably like I would like promising young women. We are yeah, uh, promising young women to me felt very very tight. Uh, there were scenes in it where the cuts stick out in my head, particularly at the end, which again we're not going to spoil. Um, or, or where, where I've got have you guys seen promising young women? I have. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yep. Okay. All right. The, the the cues of the Angel in the Morning song alone, I think, ah. give guarantee it a place on this list, as well as several other sequences as well. And just overall, how well it flowed together as a film. Yes. Um, I did. Uh, Sound of Metal uh, was really. It, it was extremely well ed- edited too. It felt again. It felt very 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 tight and one like especially given how the film didn't necessarily have an extreme a to b story yet the editing didn't make you feel like it was dragging or you know just kind of like in in limbo or whatever you know it felt mm-hmm. it felt tight and you know i think what one especially like good positive as well was that apparently i think it premiered in tiff 2019 and um it was longer and so i think it adds uh, i think it was like 15 minutes longer and so they cut out 15 minutes for the general release so now it's just two hours okay. and whatever editing they did was seamless you know i thought i mean you wouldn't guess that they shorten anything at all so mm-hmm. that's very interesting yes it, it can transform a film i think uh, really good editing it, it can make <laughs> or break it i think can't it and yeah. it's yeah. it's a much it's a much more important category than we realize i think editing yeah, absolutely. Because especially because you know, I mean, it's, for me, it's kind of it's the perfect way to judge pacing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. It's that sort of thing where you you notice it. You know, when it's there, it's just there. But when it's not there, is when you notice it, um, which can be really thankless work, actually. So it, it's just great that there's an award for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And uh, and Trial of the Chicago Seven, I, I I do think deserves it because I think because I did find that film to be, yeah, like yeah, well balanced, but also well edited as well. Just because there are several sequences that stick out in my mind that extensively use cross cutting, um, you know, and in that obviously the editing kind of shines because we're jumping between you know like especially like you know like in certain sequences like the climax uh mm-hmm. where they're actually summarizing the event that got them all arrested mm-hmm. or even scenes earlier on like you know the very opening the kind of opening montage as well in that one the cutting really like it was rhythmic and it really it made the film it engaged you and the cuts being made at the right time as well uh got reactions out of me as well yeah that probably wouldn't have been there if they didn't if they cut differently yeah and I mean it feels um and this might be to do with the subject matter as well uh, matter as well it feels you know it just feels quite modern quite energetic quite um youthful I would say which kind of is is the spirit in which the the the, the story of the people involved kind of was unfolding um I maybe just conjuring stuff out of thin air here but um it just did feel you know um yeah really well paced really kind of um like it's just happening a bit like the events themselves really mm-hmm. yeah 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 uh okay all right so so let's move on to uh best costume design uh emma ma rainey's black bottom mank mulan and pinocchio so uh, yeah, uh, Joyce, uh, what, what, what do you what do you think about the costume design? I'm between Mank and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom here. I think they're both just so so sumptuous, and they just conjure up an era so so well. Um, and obviously, in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, they go it, it, it's just so musical, and it's just seamless how what they're wearing. You know, um, I mean, it seems obvious, but it just moves along with them so well. Um, so again, it might it might just scoop up the award, but I'm between that one and Mank. Um, again, just just beautiful, both of them. Okay. Yeah. Well, what about you, uh, Alicia? Um. Yeah, I feel the same uh, for Mank, definitely. Um, Mulan being uh, nominated for costume design, I I think it does deserve its nomination. But I just hmm. I the only thing I seemed to like about Mulan was the costume design, so I'm not really sure how I feel about it being put in there. But moving past Mulan and my uh, distaste, um, uh, my top there would probably be Emma. Emma is such a elegant and delicate film, and the costume definitely reflects that more than anything else. There's still quite a, even though it's quite a elegant film. And that the the costumes are quite bright. I think I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to explain this. The costumes mm-hmm. are very bright, but the film is very under. They have a very oh how do I how am I, does it make sense? You know, there's a. <laughs> I'm not sure how to explain this at all. Uh, the costumes bright, but the story is quite dull, but not in a bad way. Okay, right. I can see what you mean. Um, in in so in the sense that like they stood out more than the narrative did. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Brian, uh, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I think this is a surprisingly tough category actually because I'd narrow it down to three: Emma, Myronie's Black Bottom, or Mank. 
costumes are all about authenticity, aren't they? They're all yeah. about yeah. convincing us that we're, we're in this particular era. So Emma's a costume drama, Victorian era, 19th century. Myrani's Black Bottom is the late 1920s Chicago. Mank is the classic Hollywood era pre-war. And they all hit the mark, hit their mark superbly, I think. And the costumes add authenticity. If I had to pick one, I think Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. It just had that superb sort of colour and atmosphere about it. And the costumes were uh, just right, I think. They kind of worked. But a very tough category to call, I think. It's surprising. I think it's almost like the in those two films, almost like the costumes wore the characters in the best possible way. Um, if you see what I mean. I mean, I just can't find any other way to describe it's, it. Yeah, the transformation and the kind of um, the painterliness of it. Like, it's, yeah, just really, really wonderful. So much better than what I tried to describe there. I don't know what I was going on about. Yeah, no, 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 I understood you, Alicia. It's fine. We got yeah. it, we got it. <laughs> yeah, I, I got that. I mean, it's, it's all about visuals, isn't it? It's the way a film visually impacts on you and costumes do that don't they yeah you know yeah i agree um and it's very much like so in my opinion uh yeah i think i i think i mean for me it's kind of i think all three of them are equally good um i would say emma's definitely stood out a bit more just because they were a bit more like like emma and ma rainey's stood out quite a lot um to me manx didn't stand out as much but they were still very very solid um, I still like, like particularly with like you know, Emma, you know, like the main like, it, it's like it was in the Victorian era and it was in a very like posh prim society. In mm-hmm. fact, all three of the films are kind of set within like posh prim era, like parts of society. So you can understand why the costumes are so like you know stand out, stand out, you know. And yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not like an expert in like costume design, but I do feel like all of them. All of them were notable. All of them were well designed, at least to my eyes. And uh, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't really have a favorite. I think all of, if I would be fine with all of them winning. Uh, maybe Emma, if if I had a, a bit of a favorite. Yeah. Okay. So uh, best makeup and hairstyling next category. Uh, Emma, Hillbilly Eggly, Marini's Black Bottom, Mank, and Pinocchio. So yeah. Uh, uh, Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I would actually go with uh, Hillbilly Elegy, um, mainly because the primary characters are being featured in flashback throughout the story. And mm-hmm. they're covering maybe a 20 or a 25 year period. And the the, ma- the, the hair is, is everything there. So Amy Adams is playing the leading character, the mother. Glenn Close plays the grandmother. But they do show them in flashback, particularly Amy Adams. And what they do with their hair, I think it's amazing in some ways because it it looks believable because you could believe that character being 20 years younger then you see them looking 20 years older. And it is done with the hair, I think. So I'd go with Hillbilly Elegy, I think, with that one for me. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Joyce? Yeah, I mean, I haven't... It, it, <laughs> find myself in a funny situation here because I haven't seen um, the film The Brian's uh, reference but I think from having seen the poster and the kind of trailer um, it seems like it should be the winner I think um, 
and this is you know may, maybe tripping over it here but um the other thing i would say i don't think i have a particular favorite you know there's, there's none of them that i would be particularly upset by if it won but just to say with mank because if it was oh, it was shot in black and white and um there's some challenges with the makeup there as well and i think they got it really well you know that there was no awkward clashy images um so yeah, I, I, I don't have a, a particular favourite on this one. I think they did a great job in, in all of them. But I am I'm, I'm tempted to agree with Brian though, funnily enough. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, 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 Alicia. I always find difficulty with makeup and hairstyling because I am so clueless. It's like the one element of film that I am absolutely clueless about. Mm. It's kind of just like their hair looks nice. And I, I can't seem to grasp the impact of hair and makeup, but I think definitely I would agree with Joyce on Mank because, um, you know, it is quite difficult to do what they did manage to achieve. So, and I did, you know, I did enjoy Emma as well. The It kind of matched with the costumes well, so it still brought an element of brightness to everything. So, yeah, I, I don't want to say a favourite only because I am so clueless and I, I'd hate That's to... Fine you know, damp on someone, but yeah, I'd probably, probably say Mankarama. Yeah. Uh, so for me personally, um, I mean, I feel like Ma Rainey is the only one that really stands out to me. And, and, so, and from mm-hmm. what I've seen of Hillbilly Eggly, um, like Ma Rainey, I think is great. I, I think it was mainly just on Violet, making Viola Davis look like the real life Ma Rainey. Yeah. You know, I thought it was like perfect in terms of like making her look that way. Um, and yeah, like like with Mank, I can't really spot any like really standout um, examples of like makeup and hairstyling in terms of like transforming a person. I mean, I mean, obviously like Amanda Seyfried really really looked like Marion Davies, but I think yeah. that was more down to good casting in that she they they just cast the right actress who really looked like her. I didn't think they had to do much as, aside from you could say costume design to make her look like it. Mm-hmm. um you know like like and and no and what's kind of even funnier as well is that like um originally where they were going like i think gary oldman wanted to have a lot of like um like like to do a physical transformation like he always does in order to look more like the real life mank uh yeah. the real um jay Makowitz. but david fincher said like no i want like a more natural performance or something like that or i want mm-hmm. yeah it, 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 that, that, that's kind of what he said so you know, I'm so I mean, film still got nominated, but yeah, he did miss out on that. You know that. So yeah, so for me personally, I think it was, I think it probably yeah, I, I I can't really pick a favorite either. Mm. To be honest, um, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I was just gonna say the interesting thing about this category as well. I I have to agree with Ali uh, with Alicia. Well, not not agree, but kind of like link up to what she said because I'm pretty clueless as well. But what I do know is that. Um, it's one of the categories that actually has a lot to do with performance because it helps the actor, you know, what they're wearing and what and, and what makeup they've got on just adds to the performance so much. So it's almost you could say like a subcategory of how well how well they've done the job themselves, even though, you know, it, it, a good actor is a good actor as well. So I'm just completely contradicting myself here. But it does it does add a lot from that point of view as well. Um, so it's definitely an interesting category, um, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, uh, we, uh, let's move on to uh, best cinematography. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, News of the World, Nomadland, and Trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll start off because I just haven't done done it yet. Um, 
personally speaking, um, I think that Manx and Judas have tied for me. Uh, Manx was a bit more distinctive, not just because of the black and white, but also just because of the way it kind of overall, like, like, like just the way that the direction was both kind of modern and yet also classical at the same time. Um, but I think that Sean Bobbitt did a really excellent job with Judas and the Black Messiah. He he shot, he made it like he gave it this extremely gritty look, and that kind of grittiness kind of helped separate it from what it could have been because it genuinely looked like a crime thriller, and it even felt almost like a seventies one. Like something about the way it looked, all I could think to myself is this feels so seventies, even though it's set in the sixties. Um, and and that was partially down to Shaka King's direction, but I feel like the way that the film, the, again, just the just the darkness of the image was so notable and distinctive to me that I just felt that it added added to the film. So yeah, those are my personal picks. Yeah, I think I would agree with, um, especially with Mank, I think, because it, it, it really evokes the actual Citizen Kane so much. But at the same time, the cinematography is so flowy. And I I think my favourite scene in terms of cinematography is the scene where um, Marion's on the um, on the stake. She's about to get burned on the stake, you know, film that scene. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's kind of a call me, call me Mank scene. And just the flow of that whole image and you know when he goes up the ladder and you know um yeah i just found that so so flowy so painterly so beautiful and uh, the trial of the chicago seven it it's it they they use some really interesting uh like i feel like camera positioning and stuff in there so um that was also great again nomad nomadlands um we obviously haven't seen it but it would be really great to have seen it to um while speaking to this category because i think it's uh very catchy but yes definitely agree yeah i'd go with mank for this one i think what gives it added impact for me is the fact that it's shot in black and white and mm-hmm. i think the cin- you have to work a lot harder with the cinematography when it's in black and white um in my opinion anyway and I, I think it it's, it just evokes that era so well, and the cinematography does that. I think where you've got, I think black and white gives you much sharper contours as well, and that all adds to the strength of, of that particular element in the film. That the cinematography is very strong, and I think there are images that stand out, and the way it it, it carries sort of light and shade within the cinematography's brilliant side, so go with Mank. Mank is actually one of my favourite films nominated this year. I, mm-hmm. th- I think it's a brilliant film. Yeah, 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 great. Um, yeah, uh, what about you, uh, uh, Alicia? I definitely agree with Mank. Um, I think just to kind of link up with you said there, Brian, it's, mm. I think it's a bit like, hmm, I'm not sure how well this kind of explains it, but you know, if you were to wear a black top and say you've got like I don't know a white cat and you know the hair stand out on it so much it's a wee bit like that with cinematography with the shades and the light black and being it shot in black and white kind of brings everything out so it needs to be done so precisely and in such a perfect way and I think that Mank really really achieved that so it's definitely um it's it's I think Mank's nominated in about 10 categories but cinematography i think is my my biggest 
this is definitely the you know praiseworthy moment for Mike. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I guess I, I guess we can kind of all agree on Mank. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would just say that Judas was definite was to, was to me like like I would be fine with that winning as well. Uh, Trial of the, the Chicago Seven initially I felt didn't need to be it shouldn't have been on there, but upon rewatching it, uh, the cinematography did stand out more to me. Like it did like it did genuinely stand out even if it wasn't like amazingly good. I still felt I still felt that it was. Um, like like the look of it and even some of the camera camera work as well did stand out to me as being like you know as carrying forth that same energy that like the editing kind of brought forth as well um okay so uh best production design uh that will be the father Rainey's black bottom mank news of the world and tenant oh i think i may go with uh well, obviously, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and Mank are the close contenders, I think. But I think I might just go with Mank in the sense that it was a, just that slightly bit more immersive. And I'm not sure I can explain why, but I think it just was. Um, yeah. All right. Yeah. It, like immersive in the sense that it was just it, it just it just captured the first East period. Well, yeah, the era and 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 their space and time, uh, and you know, it, 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 and it did it almost didn't matter whether it was interior or exterior. It was just everything. It just evoked so much. So yeah. Mm-hmm. I think for me, Ma Rainey just about nicks it from Mank. I think it just it just has that kind. Of, it drips with atmosphere. So does Mank, but. Marini's Black Bottom is it, it, a very sort of um, a very bright, uh, shimmering production, and it it gets that from really good design. And again, it comes back to authenticity, I think. And it's very difficult to choose between the two because they're both great films. But I think Marini just about pips Mank at the post for that one. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I, so I personally feel. Uh, wait, wait, wait! No, uh, 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 Alicia, you, you, have, have you contributed? Um, I, I honestly, I, I'm really not sure for production design. But even though I haven't seen um, Irene's Black Bottom, I would probably say that from what I've saw, you know, just clips, it seems so bright, and that does seem to radiate mostly from production design. So I definitely say that. Hmm. Yeah, uh, so I personally, um, yeah, I, so I, I think that Mulroney and Mank are both really strong choices. Um, uh, I might have a preference for Mank, and that's just because because of the uh, wider amount of locations, there was more of a chance to uh, show it off. Um, more, more, more so than Mulroney, which for the most part just took place in one location. Um, this, you know, that like Mank, we went to many different places, so we got to kind of see a bit of a variety. You know, we went to Hurst's, Hurst's uh, mansion. We went to, um, you know, we were at that motel. Uh, we were at, um, you know, these different parts of like the Hollywood studio where we were at. Um, you know, we were we were even like out of Hurst's like mansion, and we were at like you know the zoo and that he had and stuff like that. So that was so that variety was good and it was very very well captured uh, but i do think that tenant did have very very strong production design like what stands out to me the most i feel was those uh the turnstiles the machines oh. um that i thought was very very well designed and um i couldn't think of a 
a machine, like a sort of a time travel-esque machine that I'd seen in a film that it reminded me of. It just felt very, very original to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the production design did an impressive job, but like, you know, um, kind of grounding in realism, this kind of outlandish sci-fi premise, you know, yeah. it was which is the thing that Nolan kind of often does is like, you know, he takes like a realistic viewpoint to, um, you know, non grounded stories i feel when that was captured well with a uh, tenant yeah good point good point cool uh yeah so um anyway so uh best sound uh greyhound mank news of the world soul and sound of metal uh i think I'm, I'm guessing we can all agree that sound of metal should probably get this prize yeah i feel like unfortunately it's a pretty pretty short discussion but um no i mean obviously you know it, it's great from the technical point of view but also you know it, it clearly plays a bit with what what sound means so even from that perspective clearly i mean it's just yeah i hate saying it but it's it's got to be the winner um not you know i hate saying it because not because of anything to do with the film but it's just like i'm usually more in two minds about things um but not about this one mm-hmm. what about you guys yeah i th- i think yeah i think it's a bit of a no brainer really isn't it not to mm. disrespect any of the other nominees but i think the sound of metal really nails it because it explores a very simple technique because it allows you to hear what ruben is hearing the main character but it also allows you to hear what everyone else is hearing and it, it's quite frightening actually you you can see how everything's closing in on them because of the way they use the sound it's, and it's very cleverly done. So I think that's a, an obvious winner for yeah, me in this category. No doubt about it. That definitely, Sound of Metal is definitely the winner. It had just if it, if it's not, I'll be so surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I so yeah, so I agree as well. Um, part especially because of the way that it changes as well to like you know different points in the film. Um, you know, I think in that basis, it's kind of it's almost got like its own kind of arc as well. It's almost like the sound in the film is like a character that has its own arc, but which makes sense because it is Ruben, it's him, and that and that's reflected in the sound. Yeah, I mean the narratives are, is is driven a lot by the sound. I think there was a lot of creative decision making in terms of um, the you know the sound editing and and what was going to sound like um and you know what each moment was going to sound like and you know in terms of what you were saying brian about um you know that this moments that we hear um that we hear what the character's hearing and then this moments where we're hearing what everybody else is hearing and i think it, it's it's seamless in the film which speaks it speaks to how good it is but i think it, that must have taken some decision making um which is really interesting Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I would say that Mank is like a good second, uh, mainly because of the way that they recorded the dialogue. You know, I loved how I loved how they made it sound like an old film with like you know the way that that kind of echoey effect mm-hmm. that the dialogue has, and you know that I felt was a very it was kind of immersive in a different way. It wasn't immersive in the sense that it brought you into the world. It was immersive in that it made you feel like you were watching a film in that era. And on that basis, I think they do deserve recognition um the the sound team for that film but yeah i mean yeah sound metal was definitely uh, the top one 
Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, best original song. Uh, Fight for You from Judas and the Black Messiah. Hear My Voice from Trial of the Chicago, Chicago 7. Uh, Hasavik from Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. IOC Scene from The Life of the Head. And Speak Now from One Night in Miami. Um, one unfortunate thing that I want to point out is that a lot, some of these songs were in the credits of the films, so some of us might have, like, turned the film off before we actually heard the song, but, mm. you know, but, mm-hmm. so personally speaking, uh, this song at the end of Trial of the Chicago 7, I think, deserves this um, spot, because, um, I don't know, I was listening to the credits and I thought to myself, wow, that's a really good song. It really adds to it, doesn't it? It just adds to the to the whole film and, and to the kind of emotional space that you're in once you end, once you finish watching it so yes I think so I, I think I agree mm-hmm. the life ahead I think I'm a bit um what's the word kind of biased because I I love Sophia Loren so much so I'm kind of biased because I just oh, it just reminds me of her so then it's kind of just like oh comfort song um yeah i love that one so that'll probably be my choice just for <laughs> really biased reasons mm, that's fine yeah uh, what about you brian yeah i would go with fight for you from judas and the black messiah but it's an interesting point that we just raised there about where original songs often appear in a film and they can often appear at the end when you you could just be walking out of the cinema or if you're watching it at home you've you've kind of stopped it um and you can often miss what is a, a very strong song that helps to tie a bow on, on the story itself. And I think Fight For You was was a powerful song that fitted with Judas and the Black Messiah perfectly. So I, I'd go with that. I, I think it was a very strong song that, that I probably would have liked to have heard a bit earlier in the film. Now, it may well have appeared in the background, but uh, which you sometimes get, but you only really get them properly and you hear them properly at the end often. In the closing credits. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, it kind of depends, you know, because some, sometimes it is just that. I mean, which is interesting because in previous years, it's often been a song that has been a clear part of the film, like mm. for, for many years, like to give, like for the past decade, I would say. Only like, like Rocket Man's song was in the credits, uh, but every other song of the decade, like Star is Born, Coco, uh, La La Land, um, uh, Frozen, uh, even stuff like Spectre and Skyfall, where they appear in the opening credits, it's like those examples are ones where they are more part of the film or they are more important to the film and not just a song that happens when the film is finished. Yeah. And I think um, the, the, the Tenet original soundtrack as well by Travis Scott, it kind of sounded all along, you know, the, the you have the opening riff um, kind of, at various points in the film as well so but obviously that wasn't a nominee but yeah that's interesting point there yeah, yeah it's, it's unfortunate that it wasn't nominated because yeah it did, yeah, feel, like, and, it did feel like part of the score as well I may, yes exactly uh you know the kind of added to that it was almost feels like your own heartbeat as you're watching it really um but yeah 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 well yeah for anybody who's seen tenant we're talking i think we're talking about the uh the like yeah <laughs> yeah i i, I that, that that's not a good imitation but that's that's kind of what it was that bit the yeah and the kind of trademark travis like ooh, and that kind of thing yeah. you know high notes but yeah mm-hmm. yeah 
Uh, so yeah, so and uh, yeah, so so to move on, uh, yeah, it's it's also interesting as well. For the most part, we didn't all pick the same. We had different choices for um, this category, which is I think first. Brussels have different choices. That's good. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm. Well, almost all of us, a couple of us agreed on a Chicago seven song, but anyway, uh, yeah. So, so to move on to best original score, we have, uh, defied bloods, mank, Minari, news of the world and soul. Uh, so yeah. Uh, Alicia, what do you think? Soul, but I think that also might be a wee bit biased because of the impact soul had on me and, Part of that was the music. I'm very, um, I get very attached to music and especially when it's scores um, and soul, it just struck a chord in me. And after watching it, I soon realized that it was the story itself, but even more so the music. So I kind of have to bypass everything else there and go straight to soul. Okay, yeah, and it, but, but but what did but what like what what was was there any track that really stood out to you? Honestly, I'm not sure. I think it was instead of being something that stood out uh, on its own, it was the way everything managed to flow together to make a score that was so perfect for the film. Sometimes I watch films and the score feels a little bit off. But that, it was just so perfect. It was so perfectly introduced and it was so perfectly, um, you know, it flowed throughout brilliantly. I, I loved it. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Brian, what do you think? I would go with Mank again for this one. I think the the point to bear in mind, I think, with, with a score is is to identify a score that complements the, the overall package. And I think Mank does that so well. It's beautifully put together. And sometimes a score is there, it's like a pulse. You can just feel it in the background sometimes, but it's there to emphasize uh, the impact of, of a point in the narrative. And I think Mank, the best original score, should go to Mank for that for that reason, I think. Okay, yeah. Uh, what about you, Joyce? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, I might have to do more research on this, but I think it's a... Uh... I think it's a close call, isn't it? I mean, I, I personally need, still need to watch Soul, but um, so much has been said about it that I think the quality is undoubtable. But yes, Mank, um, it's really evocative, isn't it, all throughout? Um, so yeah, I I don't think I can, um, I can't decide, <laughs> really. Okay, all right, yeah. So so personally speaking, for me, I mean, first of all, I feel like so, like Sol is just gonna is the one that's gonna win, and I think it's a very very deserving winner. Um, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Um, I mean, for both of the things that they were nominated in, they really played against type quite well. Um, not only like the the old fashioned score of Mank, um, and also the the somewhat lighter score of Soul as well. I mean, obviously it wasn't entirely then, it was also John Baptiste and what I loved about Soul as well is how, like, you know, the music changed depending on where we were, like how for most of the, like, whenever we were in the Soul world, it was their music whereas whenever it was on Earth it was the jazz score of John Baptiste and I think that when music can make for a good, like, kind of distinction like that, then I feel like it's very, very noteworthy. Um, 
it did have a really, really strong score. It had like, there were several moments that like, you know, were just like, you listen to them on their own and they're just, they're even better because you can just appreciate them. Um, a lot of the tracks are really, really excellent. Um, I, I feel I, uh, the Manx score has grown on me. Um, initially I didn't care for it, but, uh, upon rewatching the film, it did stick out to me much more. I think Minari had a very, very good score, and which is unfortunate because you guys haven't seen it. But that film, like when you watch it, the soundtrack really, really sticks out. Uh, it's a very, it's definitely a very heartwarming score, but it's heartwarming in a genuine way. It's heartwarming in a way that like gets to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, oh, and the score for The Five Bloods was really good as well. So, so re- really good choices all around. I would say um yeah okay uh so so on these next categories um less people i I think less of us have seen some of these but some of us have seen them um best animated short film uh burrow genius loki loshi if anything happens i love you opera and yes people um alicia i think have you have you seen one of these um yes i absolutely adore if anything happens i love you because you can take so much away from it even though the story is primarily based on one very grief-based concept um you can you can still apply it to anything that you do you know to the fact that even though you want to protect your loved ones it's quite difficult but because the, the film is very poignant, even though it's very specific in what. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A concept it's trying to run with, you know, the kind of school shootings. And it's really heavy, but... Obviously, I was in tears because that's just me. Um, But it's so, you can apply it to everything. There's loads of different little bits. Even though it's a a short film, there's loads of pieces that you can take away and think about separately. And plus the visuals of it is beautiful. Even when um, Brian and I were talking about uh, different types of animation before we started the podcast, this is a very sketchy one. It's, you know, you see all the outlines and it reminds me a bit of, um, you know, that film Snowman, everyone plays it at Christmas, that one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 that one. It has that yeah. type of the same kind of animation. Um, so I, I like I like seeing all the lines and everything. It's, it's very immersive in that way because you can absolutely see everything. It's awesome. 
Okay, yeah, um, yeah, uh, Brian and Joyce. I, I don't think you've seen any in these categories. In, no. in this category, uh, I haven't either. Yeah, no. no unfortunately, I'm gonna have to. Uh, well, unfortunately, I haven't explored it yet. So I'll, I'll definitely, I definitely will. Yeah. No, same, same here from me. Um, I mean, listening to what Alicia was saying, I, I think they short features can can be quite uh, interesting to watch because you've got a limited space of time to tell a story. Hmm. So I think they, they really are worth checking out a lot more closely. It's great how punchy they can be, can't they? Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. They make their points very quickly, don't they? And really poignant as well, even though they are in such a short space of time. A good yeah. short film will tell you so much, even in the space of half an hour. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, best live action short film. Um, Alicia, have you seen one of these? I've seen. Oh, oh, oh let, sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, let, let, let me just list it out for viewers. Uh, feeling through the letter room, the present, two distant tra- strangers, and white eye. I've seen. I've only seen the two distant strangers one. I tried to get through them all, but um, two distant strangers is definitely the one that I'm hoping to win anyway. It plays into the recent climate of, um, you know, police police brutality and uh, racial injustice, but it plays it in a way that is so artistic. Even with you know, again, such a heavy concept. It is based around a time loop where the main character is uh, confronted with a policeman and it's a fatal confrontation, but he wakes up and he relives it again and again and he tries to escape this loop, but that plays so well with the loop that we've actually created in reality without even realizing it. The loop that, you know, people are being killed so so many times either a week or a month and it it's so insane to realize that this is like a time loop Mm -hmm. but it's so creatively uh put in to a short film so i I love the concept of it and the performances are amazing as well yeah okay great um yeah uh, so i haven't seen any of them Uh, alicia and brian i don't i don't think you've seen any of them i i've actually seen uh one which I reviewed for UK Film Review, oddly enough, yeah. and that was White Eye, and very a very good short. It's an Israeli film, and it begins with a, a man who realizes that his bike's been stolen. Now it's it doesn't start on the most dynamic premise, but it's amazing what the ground they cover in the space of ten minutes. This is t- tying into what we were talking about j- just now, and it. It, it tells you a lot about the character, about his situation, about dynamics with the people around him, just through realising his bike's been stolen and reporting the matter to the police. And it manages to tell an end-to-end story in the space of 10 minutes, which is quite an achievement, because it, it takes a lot of discipline for a filmmaker to be able to do that. 10 minutes? So, well, that's such a short space of time. Yeah, it is. It's quite impressive in that way. But that's the only one I've seen in that category, though. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, let, let's move on to uh, best documentary short subject. Uh, Colette or Concerto is in, in a conversation, is a conversation. Do not split Hunger Ward and a love song for Letitia. The only one I've seen there is the last one mentioned, uh, a love song for Letitia. 
for some reason I, I like watching very heavy concepts here. <laughs> but I I definitely even even though I haven't seen the rest, I probably should, but that one it's so unique. But I think it plays in with the um editing being the most unique part. It's uh voiced by that girl's best friend and that plays in the emotions obviously of her personal uh, retelling of what had happened or how she felt about the situation but the actual visuals is played on color and shapes rather than you know retelling a story through photos or home videos there is that intertwined but most of it is telling the story as she talks with different bursts of color so i it drags you in because it's such a different way to present a documentary subject. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. Has, has anybody else seen any of them in, in that category or not? I'll have to explore them, I'm afraid. But what Alicia was saying sounds just incredibly interesting. Yes. Yeah. Same, same for me, actually. Uh, mm -hmm. There are, Sounds really interesting and something that requires closer attention. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, all right. Best documentary feature, uh, Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, My Octopus Teacher, Time. Uh, so I have seen one of these. I've seen uh, Crip Camp. And uh, yeah, I, I, I really, I thought it was really, really strong. Uh, I thought it was very, it was very entertaining. It was very well paced. Um, it gave you a good insight into kind of um, how the people at this, like, camp for disabled people then became very very important in you know the rights for people in real wheelchairs uh, people who are physically disabled how they kind of invented these like things that we kind of see as just completely normal like you know a ramp for somebody in a wheelchair it's like these people were part of how that ramp got there you know or how that ramp got enforced you know and um I, yeah i really i loved it it was very it was tonally it was really upbeat and it was really optimistic um it gave you a lot of it gave the subjects as well like the people who were part of this camp um a chance to really like speak and show their voices uh well, well not show their voices but but, but but speak their voices if you know what i mean and um and like it was it, it, yeah and it, yeah and it was really like it was it was def it was pretty seamless as well like in terms of it almost it was like that thing it bl almost blurred the line into not being a documentary because there were certain bits where i was like wow how did they get this on camera um and i don't know if there were any recreations or not i think for the most part i think it was all just archive footage and um you know i think that when a documentary can kind of do that can make you question that it kind of it's probably it's got your attention in a good way yeah. Um, yeah, I yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was really, it's, it's definitely, it's, it's a crowd pleasing one, but it's one that like, I really, really enjoyed. The introduction of that subject of the Oscars is really praiseworthy as well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. Cause like, well, it's not, um, I mean, like, obviously it's kind of a cliche for like to nominate, you know, a film about, you know, a disabled or a disadvantaged person but to nominate a film that is about this specific aspect that isn't about you know them being a victim but yeah. is instead completely about them doing everything they can to basically like make not only their lives better but also lives better for the next generation is yeah i agree 
yeah uh, have any of you guys seen that crypt camp or any of the films in the category i've not seen any of the films in that category uh, again it's it's an, another um another learning curve for me um i think going through the these these nominations you realize how wide-ranging the oscar ceremonies are um and i i think there's there's a lot more to be explored uh, it's quite an mm. eye-opener really yeah i echo i echo brian 100 percent yeah yeah. Okay. All right. So, and and now we're getting on to uh, best international feature film. Uh, another round. Better Days Collective. The Man Who Sold His Skin and Quavadis Ida. So, have any of you guys seen uh, any of the films in this category? I don't think I've actually seen any. No. No. I. No. I. I didn't either. But. I think from what I've read around each film, another round sounds really interesting. Yes, that, I've seen it. Yeah, go ahead. That's that's about um, um, a group of characters who, who test their tolerance for alcohol by, by the sound of it and see what effect it has on their lives. So that sounds like a fascinating premise for a film. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, so uh, I, I saw it at the uh, film festival last year. Uh, I really liked it. Um, it was, you know, it was definitely it had a like somewhat comedic premise, but it dealt with it with a lot of realism and a lot of genuine like heart and emotion. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't just like a kind of ad for alcoholism. It kind of said like, you know, this is this is kind of what would happen if a bunch of people felt like getting drunk every day, you know, and they, and it did, it was a good, like, kind of study of like, you know, people who were going through these like midlife crises and like, you know, and as well of like, you know, like how their you know, relationships can break down as a, as a result of like committing to this kind of outlandish, very, like, 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 definitely not a good idea, but you can understand why they'd go with that idea. Um, yeah, I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Mad, Mads, Mik- the Mads Mikkelsen did a really excellent job in the lead role. Um, he really, definitely played against type very well, and he was very, he, 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 yeah, he was really, really good. Uh, also, I'd recommend to anybody who hasn't seen it, uh, try and watch it without seeing any images from it, because there is an image from another round that has been widely circulated and used in its promotion mm-hmm. but this image and i might be being a hypocrite because i might have used this image in my review for it on uk film review so don't look up my review if you haven't seen the film uh just in case i use this image but this image is from the end of the film so i heavily recommend just watch the film try and avoid imagery but you might not be able to. And even then it doesn't completely ruin the film. It's just something I recommend. Yeah. yeah that's uh, great advice actually. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Uh, best animated feature film uh, onward over the moon, Sean, the sheep movie, Farmageddon soul and wolf walkers. Um, so yeah. So, I mean, we can probably all agree on soul, but a couple of us have seen wolf walkers. I'd probably go with Wolfwalkers, but then again, me being biased again. (laughs) Yeah. As an Irish gal, I'd go with Wolfwalkers. Okay, yeah. No, 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 I can see that. But you love, I'm I'm guessing, did did you love both equally or do you just have a preference? Wolfwalkers plays in with my own history, I suppose. You know, Oliver Cromwell coming in and his conquest of Ireland and 
having to be contributed to the extinction extinction of the country's wolves and it also then led to local folklore being kind of dismissed there so my little Irish heart went out to that film um but I think uh, I don't know it's also very sketchy um you see all the different the line drawings and everything and I that has a soft spot spot in my heart as well so I think I think Wolf Walkers kind of takes that for me Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. And keep in mind that there's nothing wrong with being biased as well. That 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 can be, yeah. That that that, that can be a perfectly fine reason to prefer a movie. Um. Yeah. Uh, Brian. Yeah. I mean, to me, I, I've I've only seen bits bits of all of them really. I've not seen any film in its entirety. But I I, I would lean towards Soul based on what I've seen. Um. It just seems seems a more a more com- complete piece to me, but. There you go. I, I reserve final judgment until I see them all. But yeah, yeah. I'd say okay. so. Uh, Joyce? Um, I listen to great interest to what Alicia was saying because I think, you know, the whole the whole topic about um the, you know, in- extinction and the extinction of things is is very, very big now. So I haven't seen the films, but what she was saying about it kind of drew me to it um quite a lot. So yes. Okay, yeah. So, so how I feel personally is, um, so um, I did really like Wolf Walkers. Um, uh, I didn't think it was as good as uh, their um, uh, their their previous film, uh, Song of the Sea, uh, which I th- which I think is like one of the best animated movies I've ever seen. You know, so it was hard, it was hard to top that. But they still did a really good job. They still made a very, yeah, 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 a, a relevant but also very like entertaining fantasy film. Um, that being said, it hasn't stayed with me as much as Soul. I think I think Soul is my pick as well. Um, you know, even though like that film only really became amazing to me in the final act, I still think overall that film has resonated with me the most, and also a lot of other people. Um, you know, and, and I'm saving from like going into more detail about it for like maybe a future Pixar discussion if we do that. But um, personally speaking, um, yeah, I think I think it's more proof that like just Pete Doctor is like one of Pixar's best directors by far because you know it's like he did this, he did Inside Out, he did he did Up. It's like he's yeah he yeah he's a great one. I adored Inside Out. It's really great. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, so uh, now, now, okay, now we're moving on to the big ones. Uh, best adapted screenplay: uh, Borat subsequent movie film, The Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. Borat for me, definitely. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm tempted to agree from what I know. Um... For me, based on what I've seen, yeah, Borat, which of course is great fun, but if you just look at the other nominees in that category, uh, some of some of which haven't been re- released here yet, but The Father and Nomadland, One Night in Miami, they all sound like highly literate pieces that would probably give Borat a good run for its money, and I, I think I think one of the other three, I don't know about White Tiger, but one of the other three will, will probably win that category, even mm-hmm. though Borat's great fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, sorry. Sorry. I think uh, me wanting Borat to win is just like blind hope at this point, but... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Well, so 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 to go into a bit more detail, uh, so so yeah, yeah, I do agree with Bora. Um, I did, I I I did. You know, I thought the one night in in Miami was very very well well written. Um, although I think that it winning would be more of a testament to the play that it's based on than the actual screenplay itself. So in that sense, I do think that I think the Borat winning would be great. And I think the thing that does it for me. And I'm, I'm guessing you and you guys might agree with this. You might not. Um, but I think that I actually found it to be a stronger piece of writing than the first film. And I love the first film. The first film is like like one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. But And although Borat's subsequent movie film wasn't quite as funny, to me it had a stronger story and it actually had a lot more heart as well. And like those, the story and the heart, the emotional core specifically around Borat and his daughter are the things that make it a really, really surprisingly good script. I mean, there were a lot of great moments through the same like documentary style when all of the unscripted stuff, but you know, plenty like I actually felt, I actually felt that it did have a surprisingly like good, very, you know, like certainly risque, but still very like emotionally heartfelt story. Um, that kind of, that like it and what's even funnier as well is that it managed it actually managed to humanize Borat as a character. Even though he's not a real person, it made him actually and as even though like he he does some pretty dodgy stuff in the film, it still managed to make me genuinely like and care about him. Yeah. It's like a certain element of weird character development from the first film, which I never really thought that they would be able to do with Borat, but they still managed to. Yeah, surprisingly so, and like you know, and they managed, and even like some of this, and and you know, like not every one of the scripted jokes lands, but but plenty of them do. Uh, the unscripted stuff is the funniest material in the film, but you know, even some of the scripted stuff is still pretty good. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Overall, I would say, yeah. I mean, what, 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 what do you what do you guys think? Do you do you guys agree? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd go. I'd go along with that. Yeah. Yeah. They were yeah. just rooting for Borat to win. Everyone yeah. rhymed together their hopes that this might happen. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay, uh, best original screenplay. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Women, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago 7. A uh, very tough category, I have to say. Oh, God, yes. Um, almost impossible to choose. Um, I may go for Sound of Metal here. Just because mm-hmm. of the, well, the subject matter as well, um, and yeah, the narrative of it, and the way that it doesn't stigmatize any of the characters and any of, um, you know, any of the situations that they go through and and are in. I think it's a very non-judgmental film, and it's really commendable. But it's obviously, you know really closely fought out category they're all they're all masterful but i might just go with sound of metal okay uh, brian yeah i i agree i think it's a very tough category i'm torn between judas and the black messiah and the trial of the chicago seven and there is some overlap there when you think that one of the seven was bobby seal who was a black panther mm-hmm. so there is some overlap between the two but they both portray very powerful true events but I would go with Judas and the Black Messiah because there are some brilliant passages where 
Fred Hampton makes great speeches, and that that all draws on a very strong screenplay. So I'd give it to Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. Okay, Alicia. Um, probably promising young woman again. I think that the writing is really powerful and it's quite witty, which you wouldn't really expect from such a harrowing subject that the mm-hmm. film is based on, but it is, it's, you know, um, who, have we all seen Promising Young Woman? I, I think all of us yeah. have. Yeah. yeah. Um, that scene uh, where, you know, the two men are... Yeah, uh, spoilers, together. by the way. This is, this is this is this isn't your fault. It was an accident. That is so witty. It is so witty because it's a conversation that you would have with a victim, with a, an assault victim. They've twisted that around so perfectly, and it's it's acted really well as as, as well. So yeah. I I'm kind of really hoping for a promising young woman for that one. I mean that yeah, it, it's it it's incredibly powerful. It's a kind of um, look what you make me do kind of thing as well. when when he's shouting at her this is your fault this is your fault it's yeah I mean it's just so well written and so well reflected that scene is so prolonged it kind of made me feel a bit sick which I love that when films actually yeah physical reaction and it just just keeps zooming in and in and then you hear him scream and you hear her scream and I'm kind of sitting there like oh my goodness what is going on yeah and it's almost like theatre unfolding as well, you know, yeah, sort yeah. of the real time. Um, yeah, very powerful. I think I think Cassie's a fascinating character, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely riveting, really. The the way it gradually builds, and you 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 appreciate her motivation as well. I I, I think it's a very cleverly written character. And there's so many levels to her character, even though she actually doesn't have much of a characterization her characterization is her motives but mm-hmm. she still has so much depth yeah yeah and it, so for me personally um i think it's kind of a toss-up between um probably promising like i think it's promising young women sound of metal and minari are my like like my top three choices mm-hmm. and Part of the reason why is because, like, first of all, they 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 aren't based on like you know true events. So as a result of that, they you know they they have to they have to try a little bit harder to be interesting stories. Uh, yeah. Whereas Chicago Seven and Judas kind of like do inherently have an interesting story. And um, like for the Trial of Chicago Seven, I think the weakest aspects of the film are some of the things that they made up. Um, even though they work fine within the story, I do feel like. The, the some of the inaccuracies the historical inaccuracies do kind of hurt the film um so mm-hmm. personally speaking i feel like it so i i would say yeah sound of metal very very strong script um but i do i would go with promising young, young women i think just because like it had it genuinely it challenged me it subverted my expectations it kind of it presented interesting complicated characters that may not have had a lot of screen time and might have just been in one scene, but still really like stuck with me and stuck out to me. Uh, but Minari, I think, had a really great script as well. You know, it was very, it was definitely, it was authentic, it was heartfelt, and it was definitely like a good layered portrayal of like kind of family strife and like family drama without, without like, you know, going into like melodrama, which from what I can tell, I think Hillbilly Egley is, you know, is, is Hillbilly Egley very, very melodramatic? I wouldn't have said so particularly. Um, 
Oh, okay. No, not, not especially. Uh, but again, it's just perception, isn't it? It's, it's the, the way you see it. But I wouldn't I'd call it a melodrama necessarily, no. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Judas also had a really great screenplay, but um, again, I feel like, I, I, I feel like it's more, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like something about true stories. It's like the story's already been told. It's just your job to adapt it well, you know, whereas yeah. a story that hasn't been told, it's like, you know, okay, you have to come up with this completely and you have to on your own make this interesting, you know? So yeah, I do have a bit of a bias. Hmm. I suppose really, really, you're, I mean, with a completely new story, you're building something up from the bottom, aren't you? So there is that element there of being totally original, isn't there? But then there are elements of originality when you apply that principle to an existing event or a true event. So, But I, I do take that point, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right, so now uh, let's move on to uh, Best Supporting Actress. Uh Maria Balakova, Bakalova, yeah, Maria Bakalova, Borat's subsequent movie film, Glenn Close, Hillbilly Egli, Olivia Coleman, The Father, Amanda Seyfried, Mank, and Yoon Yoo Jung, The Minari. Uh, So so, so I'll I'll go first. Um, Personally speaking, uh, I think that this is a very, very strong category. Uh, I would say... The all for all of the performances I think are deserving of an award of, of the films that I've seen. Um that 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 being Borat Mank and Minari. Uh Marie Balakova, it's it's very unique to see a comedic performance be nominated for an Oscar. Um but it was still an, a very, very strong one. It was it was like she was really, really funny. She was like playing an obnoxious character, but she herself was not obnoxious. And she showed this like great change between being this kind of wild animal that then becomes like more kind of a, 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 a little bit more educated and aware of her like surroundings in like America compared to you know her life in uh, Kaz- in uh, this film's version of Kazakhstan. Um, uh, she did really well. Um, uh, Amanda Seyfried was great in Mank. Um, she kind of like not only did she look the part, but she was extremely charismatic. She had a lot. She matched Gary Oldman very well. She had a lot of screen presence. Um, she had some good heartfelt moments as well, and she played a really like you know sympathetic, lovable, lovable character. Um, if anything, I think that she could have been in the film even more as well. Um, and yeah, Minari uh, Yoon Yoon Yoo Jung. Uh, she was excellent as well as the uh, grandmother of the family she played um she was similarly kind of lovable and she was a bit more eccentric but she kind of still she had she had a lot of these like very powerful dramatic scenes and these like very and these very like kind of touching moments that really stick out to me so yeah what do you guys think I have yet to see the Borat film, but the you know the, what you, your point, Robert, about a, a comedic character being nominated. There's there's a very there's something to be said about that, and I, it makes me feel like it um, may be very very well deserved if it wins. Um, Amanda Seyfried is a very strong contender, I feel as well. Uh, so yeah, just quite impossible to choose at this point, but yeah, incredibly strong list of nominations yeah what about you brian yeah i mean i'd agree with that there's some very strong performances there 
and it is very difficult to choose. Back to my analogy of apples and oranges again. Um, it's very difficult to compare. I th we were talking about snobs earlier on, weren't we? I mean, it's interesting that Glenn Close has got has been nominated here for Hillbilly Elegy. Um, but Amy Adams, who played the daughter, hasn't been nominated at all. And I thought she was fantastic. Glenn Close was fantastic. But you just notice uh, how good performances were when they're, they're not nominated at all. So there's that side of it. But from that list, though, I would say Amanda Seyfried should get Best Supporting Actress. I think she looked great on screen. She looked totally believable as the Hollywood actress who was trying to stay in the game, um, which was basically what it boiled down to playing Marion Davis. But I thought she was excellent and she looked great on screen. Totally convincing. So I'd go with Amanda Seyfried. I'd probably go with Maria Bakalova. I think it's because she's that was really a, a breakout role for her. You know, I, I think um, Sacha Baron Cohen, he said that he had like 600 people who auditioned and he, he was the one that prepared her for the role. And mm -hmm. her last audition was to actually go into a room full of people and play the character. It just completely improv it but this whole role was a a big breakout moment for her um and she did so well it's so well handled and she's so powerful and i really i really hope to see maybe maybe her win but i i think maybe um uh oh i forget her name now amanda amanda seyfried yes she i think i think she actually might scoop up the oscar but i'm still i'm still rooting for um, Maria Bakalova. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, all right. So yeah, let's move on to best supporting actor. Um, Sasha Baron Cohen, Trial of the Chicago Seven, uh, Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami, Paul Ressi, uh, Sound of Metal, and Lakeith Stanfield, Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, Brian, what do you think? Well, again, it's uh, an impressive lineup. Absolutely. I mean, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, Lakeith Stanfield in Judas and the Black Messiah, both real powerhouse performances. But I would actually go with Sasha Baron Cohen here. I, I thought he was excellent in The Trial of the Chicago 7. And I'd like him to explore more roles like this. I'd like him to get away from Borat and Bruno and The Dictator. And these... Uh, these characters that he's been playing, I'd, I'd like to see him play more, for want of a better phrase, more straight roles, you know, because he can act. He's he can a very good actor. Range actor. He can do so much. Yeah, yeah, I know. This is it. And I'd like to see him do more like this. So not that he, you know, not that he didn't draw out the uh, humorous elements in, in uh, Abby Hoffman, but, you know, it was primarily a straight role and I thought he was excellent. I thought he was really good. So I personally, so I felt that uh, Cohen, it was kind of a, it was somewhat of an against type role because, you know, he wasn't, he was more of a heroic person and he was also, it was a more like dramatic situation as well, but he still was kind of goofy and somewhat like comedic. Um, I mean, his Boston accent was pretty shaky, I'll admit, but his performance was still fairly, was still pretty damn good. Um, uh, Daniel Kaluuya will probably, he, he's probably the one who will win and he's not necessarily my top pick. 
Um, but he still played the role of Fredhampton quite well. Um, he still genuinely made him feel like a down-to-earth figure whilst also getting across the larger-than-life aspects the, the, of, his, of his persona. Um, uh, and yeah, it, I, I, I thought all of them were really good. Uh, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. did a really good job with Sam Cook, um, especially given how he was kind of almost the like co-lead of that film. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield was great in Judas and the Black Messiah. He really played that, um, that kind of morally conflicted, but still very like determined individual really well. And yeah, and, and Paul Racy in Sound of Metal was, uh, I was surprised to uh, to be sure, but you know, um, one that I quite liked. Like he was very like I didn't see him in anything, but he really he kind of stole the show. I felt. I would, uh, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Uh... I think it's a really, really strong list. I think it's slightly impossible to choose. It's one of these that make you thankful that, yeah, it's actually not our job to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Sasha Baron Cohen, uh, he might just go before me because um, he might just deserve it because of the versatility that he's demonstrated. I think that um, if we're if looking at the art of acting and performance, um, versatility is something that definitely deserves a nod um so yeah from that point of view it might just be deserved but it, it's impossible to choose i mean you know mm-hmm. okay all right so uh yeah so let's move on to uh best actress um uh viola davis Maureen's black bottom andre day the united states versus billy holiday vanessa kirby pieces of a woman francis mcdormand nomad land and carrie mulligan promising young woman I think it's it's quite easy uh, to probably guess what I would go for at this point. Definitely Carrie Mulligan. But then I I always, anything I see her in, I, she's just so, you know, bring that word back, versatile. She has such a great range. I always, I always put my mind back to watching her in Wildlife for the first time. That was her, wow, wow. Her screen presence is awesome in that film, but... I think a testament to, you know, how her character is written, plus the way she was able to present the character in Promising Young Woman. I, I'd hope for her to scoop the Oscar there. Strongly contended. Um, I mean, Viola Davis was brilliant. I found I was really, I was very mesmerized by her performance. So, again, strong list, almost impossible to choose really powerhouse performances yeah yeah but, but, but who, who, who would you pick i might go with viola davis oh really okay yeah. all right yeah brian what about you yeah um some really big hitters in this category aren't they i thought viola davis was brilliant as my rainy andrew day excellent as billy holiday um one that's kind of flying under the radar to a certain extent but well worth checking out it's on sky i believe andrew day was excellent as billy holiday but i would actually give this and of course carrie mulligan ticks all the boxes she hits all the marks she was very good but i would add add a a, just a shade above that was vanessa kirby in pieces of a woman um who played a woman that, that lost a child she she was expecting and dealt with all the fallout and 
took the midwife to court. It's a draining film, emotionally very draining to watch, but a, yeah. a fantastic piece of acting. And it's in my in my mind, it's it's an Oscar-winning performance. So I'd go with Vanessa Kirby. Yeah. Uh, well, well. First of all, before I say my opinion, uh, yeah. In regards to pieces of woman, like I haven't finished watching it or anything, but uh, from what I've seen of it, I've I've seen a lot of it. But from what I've seen of it, um, I think that maybe Ellen Burstyn should have gotten a nomination just just based on that one bit of that bit that that one like big standout scene alone uh, that she had. Um, and unfortunately, all I could think to myself whilst I was watching it was. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, why do you have to be such a terrible person? Because you are really, really good in this. I really, if Shia LaBeouf wasn't such an awful human being, I would, I would have nominated him for this. Because, because he did do really, really well. But you know, I, you know, he's terrible. So yeah. I would, yeah, yeah, very good point. Yeah, um, yeah, but anyway, so, but as for my pick, uh, I would say uh, best actress. Um, but like yeah, uh, from what I've seen, all, all really good. I think I think Carrie Mulligan for me, um, and that's not just because I was on the episode last week that was about her career. But it's just that her performance, for the reasons that I listed in that episode, stuck out to me uh, more than the other ones. Um, you know, for, for me personally, if, if if you want to know why I love, loved her performance so much, just watch that episode, the previous one. Um, but yeah, but yeah, no, 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 she would definitely be my pick. I mean, awesome list, just gold. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, and best actor. Uh, uh, definitely, I almost put the best actress one to shame. Uh, Riz Ahmed, Sound of Metal, uh, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey, uh, Anthony Hopkins, The Father, Gary Oldman, Mank, and Stephen Ewan, Minari. For me, it has to be Riz Ahmed. Um, just because of how um the character yes uh, this this lots to it really the character development um and just the way that he portrays the the sort of the, the physicality of a deaf person you know the kind of wide eyes and and the and how and how frightened the character is that he can't you know one of his senses is just leaving him um which kind of yeah, it, it, it leaves, uh, kind of makes, leaves him feeling quite defenseless until you become used to your new situation. Um, so, yeah, um, yeah, the, the, this one wasn't a difficult choice for me as maybe it should have been. The film felt quite personal as well. Um, so, yeah, have to go with him. Okay, uh, Alicia? I'd probably agree there. And especially, you pointed out a lot of components that I didn't actually realize. So we just completely jumped the list there. So yeah, I definitely agree. Okay. I, I, uh, 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 anything else? Honestly, it is a really difficult list. And I was going to go for Gary Oldman. But then again, that's me uh, jumping the mark just because I love Gary Oldman. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely go with Sound of Metal there. Okay. All right, uh, Brian. Yeah. Uh, again, it's like the previous categories we've discussed. It is so difficult. There are some great performances there, but I would give the best actor Oscar to Chadwick Boseman, and it's not out of sentiment because it was his last film, but I, I think it was an amazing performance, a brilliant performance, partly because um, 
My Rainy's Black Bottom was based on a play. And you can see from the film that it is the film of a play, right? So it, it never moves beyond being a stage play. So it's all on the actors to make it work. And I, th- I thought he was amazing. You couldn't take your eyes off the screen. Well, I couldn't anyway. No. Um, yeah. he, he, was, he was brilliant. And you realise what a loss he is uh, because his career had, had barely started. So whilst I, I'd prefer not to look upon this as, as a kind of a tribute award or a sympathy award, it's recognising an outstanding acting performance. So I would, for that reason, as good as the others are, um, I would go with Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, I mean, not not to change my mind, but I'd like to add that the mon the, the bit of the monologue about God and 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 how God it's, it's looks amazing, upon it? everything that happens. It, yeah. It's just so powerful. I mean, every you know, yeah. um, the, not that there wasn't many of us in the room. It was just me and my mum watching it. But I, yeah. it's that sort of thing where if you'd been watching it with a hundred people, you you yeah. could you could hear a pin drop in that moment. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing yeah. scene, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I agree. So, so for me personally, it would be Chadwick. Um, you know, I thought I, I thought Oldman did was really good. I thought that Riz Ahmed was really strong. Um, I thought that Stephen Ewan was good in Minari. Uh, I didn't. Um, I, I like you know, like I I personally wouldn't have nominated him, but that's only just because I don't really consider him to be the main character of that film. I think that the kid had a more central central role than he did. But you know, but I mean, he still did really well. But I wouldn't. I, I don't know, be, like best actor and main character are very connected in my mind. So since I don't consider him to be the main character, I don't know. I yeah yeah yeah. I I, I personally wouldn't have nominated him in that category. Um, but yeah, but but yeah, Chadwick was like it was like, I mean, his performance I think was a bit recontextualized by his passing because some of the power of that of the stuff, the material that he had, came from, like, like. Um, us viewing it in the context of his death or, or viewing it after his death. Mm. Um, at the same time, though, even on its own, it was still a really like, you know, like it was like it, it, it was like he was playing a jerky character, but he was so spirited and so lively that, you know, you felt like he was in, you, he entertained you. And then what he did was he kind of transitioned into this, like, you know, this this very like extreme out of control behavior but very justified extreme out of control behavior and very like tragic out of control behavior as well like he brought a there was a real sense of like pathos and tragedy to you know when he like went off and had these like big powerful um very emotionally charged speeches and yeah he yeah he did uh, yeah yeah definitely i i agree you did you could hear a pin drop during his sequences and um yeah uh yeah, 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 yeah. I would, I would definitely, I would put it to him. Uh, rest in peace, Chadwick. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, okay. Uh, final two categories. Um, did, did you have something to say, Joyce? Release here. Um, that's perfect. The way that you described that there. Nothing else to add. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, so, best director: uh, Thomas Vinterberg. Another round. David Fincher, Mank, Lee Isaac Chung, Minari, Chloe Zhao, Nomadland, and Emerald Fennel, Promising Young Woman. I might go for Emerald Fennel here, um, yeah. just because of, yeah, I mean, the scope of decision-making that our director has um, is huge, and I think she nailed all of it. Simple, simple as that. Um, yeah. 
it's just a it's a flawless film I think so yeah every aspect takes all the boxes I definitely go for her as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, what, 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 what are the like th- um, reasons I think it's really difficult to actually uh, discuss because it's you know it, it, it's everything from cinematography to locations to soundtrack um, I just feel like there wasn't any aspect of the film that that was hanging loose or that felt random or that felt that you know it, it it didn't belong and it just seems obvious but when you do watch a film like that you go just just you know your sensory response is just wow this was perfect um yeah that's what it was for me mm-hmm. okay uh, brian yeah i think look i think really for best director it's between david fincher for mank or emerald fennel for promising young woman they're both outstanding films and whilst I found Promising Young Woman very enjoyable and very powerful, and, you know, as we've already mentioned, it ticks all the boxes, but I think I would give it to Mank because it, it, it just reminds me of a, a bygone era, um, and it, it gives me something different. Again, it's difficult to compare the two films together, but if I had to pick one, I think I'd just give it to Mank because... Uh, visually, it, it was more comfortable to watch. I think Promising Young Woman um, confronts you with an ugly truth. I think that's never comfortable to watch. But for pure entertainment, I would go with Mank, even though I think Promising Young Woman is an outstanding film. Okay, yeah. So for me personally, uh, I would say that um, uh, it's kind of tough. Um, I think that David Fincher showed a lot of passion with Mank. Uh, I think he he directed it very, very solidly. Um, But I do think that maybe Emerald Fennel deserves it more, partially because it's her first film. Um, But also just because, like, you know, she she brought the material to life. Um, I agree that there isn't really any, like, major technical element where I'm like, oh, wow, that was, like, a mistake or that was a misfire. Um, all of it worked, and um, it's it's definitely it's the definition I would say of like a calling card feature as well, um, because the other ones are fairly experienced, whereas she's like kind of a bit of a newcomer, but it, she she managed to like blow us all away and like make a really really great film. Um, uh, I I think that all the all of the other nominees are really solid. Uh, I'm sure that Chloe Zhao is probably the one who's going to win it. Um, and that would be great uh, for several reasons, and I'm sure it would be very deserved. But if I were to pick one, then yeah, Emerald Fennel is who I'd pick. Yeah, and I, I think it's um, another point as well. It's for with promising a woman, it's very hard not to deal with that subject matter in a way that isn't pessimistic or or, or teary or heavy or anything like that. And you know, the film, it's not. Um, you know, it, it's it's tough and it's punchy and it, it you know it it's not um it's not lighter than it should be, but it manages to to um treat the sub- subject matter respectfully, but also in a way that actually does draw you in. You know, you don't feel like oh my god, this is this is too much to watch. You feel like actually this it just needs to get told. It needs to get told, and she managed it so beautifully. You, one thing's for certain about Promising Young Woman is that you, you can't 
draw yourself away from it. It completely engages you. That's what it does do. There's no question about that. It does. But as I say, that there is a difference, I think, between pure entertainment and education and enlightenment. You know, they they sometimes overlap, but I think it sometimes for me it depends what kind of mood I'm in when I'm watching a film, right? And you 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 take out of it what what's what's important or what you you get the message. Of course you do. But again, it, I, I think. If you look at bottom line entertainment, that's where it where it, it kind of diverges a bit for me. So, there you go. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. All right. But yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, and finally, uh, uh, best picture: uh, The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago Seven. It's such a good list. Mm-hmm. But then again, uh, I might just have to go with promising young woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. What would I mean? So, um, and and, and what do you think of like so some of the films individually? I think that the the problem with best picture I always find is that you know with the Oscars, it's the top films that are being picked. Nece- you know, necessarily, it's the top films that have been released. So even though they're in the same best picture category, they're still all so unique. So it's so difficult to try and try and even predict what one might scoop the Oscar. They're, they're all so, you know, there's, there's obviously elements in each film that might triumph over other films, but this list is, wow. It's, oh my goodness. Yeah. I think to me, um, a lot of them felt very, very personal, um, and it, which is, um, it, it hasn't always happened with the with the Oscars. Um, you know, movie, you know, promising a woman, trial of the Chicago Seven, uh, Sound of Metal. They are just, they're not only well done, but they're just so relevant so between between those three it's really 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 hard to choose um i'm tempted just my my gut reaction i'm tempted to go with the sound uh, sound of metal yeah i'd probably agree there okay all right yeah so 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 that would be uh your your top pick uh, uh why why would you say i think again it's pretty flawless first of all the subject matter uh you know somebody somebody dealing with something that um, we would call a disability or that society turns into a disability and trying to find peace. Um, It's a film that doesn't seek to judge. Um, The script could have gone so many ways, so many ways, you know, in in which it didn't, for example, um, you know, the whole addiction, addiction route and falling back into addiction route, which it didn't. And I, I just celebrate that because... There aren't any cliches in that film, um, and it's 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 simple. It's to the heart. Um, it's an incredibly tough subject matter, and yet it doesn't leave you feeling pessimistic, and that's a feat <laughs> because it doesn't have to be. Uh, you know, th- this is what the film's telling you. Um, if uh, yeah, if if you have that much will to make something work and to get on with life and keep feeling and everything 
um, you can. And I just think God knows how many people in the world need that message right now. So, uh, yeah, I have to go for that one. But all the others, yeah, totally politically relevant to um, something like Promising a Woman, Trial of the Chicago 7, the peace movement. Um, Yeah, it's just really, really tough pick. Yeah, uh, Brian Penn, uh, but Brian. Yeah, I mean, they're all very good films. They're all excellent films. There's no question about that. You know, I I feel that Judas and the Black Messiah, uh, Trial of Chicago 7 are, are very powerful films. They have a rawness about them that, that's difficult to ignore. Uh, Promising Young Woman, as we've already said, deals with... Uh, one of society's biggest problems, really, and it deserves so much credit for the way it tackles the subjects and the way it presents it. Um, Mank, I mean, you, you can probably tell that I, I really like Mank as a film. I think it's excellent. It's beautifully put together and so well packaged. Some great performances there. But I would give the award for Best Picture to The Sound of Metal. Yay! <laughs> uh, Sound of Metals is the the more I've thought about it, the more we've discussed it, the more impressive it becomes because it's dealing with one of life's greatest fears, isn't it? What would happen if you lost your hearing or lost your sight? It, it's dealing with an uncomfortable subject, something that we prefer not to think about. But then it, there's the added twist of, of someone who's a musician, a drummer. You know, that's as big a loss in itself. But to, to think that someone who who relies on good ears to do their job, their vacation, right, and and travel on that journey with him of where he's going through denial, and then he's he's getting to a point of reconciliation where he's accepted what's happened, and he's trying to make a life for himself, but it it's just dealing with an unusual subject matter. I mean, I think originality is so difficult to find in the movies. Yes. I think it's right a film like this is on this kind of platform because it's the type of film that you would never see uh, nominated. Uh, no, I actually I disagree. Um, and, and, the, and the reason why I disagree is because um, I feel like it does fit into, like, I, so I agree on, like, the presentation of it and the kind of production and like even the story and even the, the way that the story goes, I think in concept, it's definitely, I mean, it's a film about, you know, a person who goes through like a physical, like loss or something, you know, like the theory of everything still Alice. Um, I'm sure there are several other films that are like that where, you know, it's about somebody who goes through some sort of physical change or, or physical loss or, or just a loss of any kind. So I wouldn't say it's original in that regard, but, in many other aspects, areas, I would. Yeah, I think it's a, um, it goes back to, you know, the, the lack of cliche there. It's just, it's, I, I guess it's originally told. Um, and yeah, you know, no, no spoilers here for anyone, but the, the final scene and, and, and the final decision that he makes, it's incredibly powerful. Um, really, really powerful because he had, you know, he had several different choices, the main character. Um, and he went for one, and he's such a human story, basically. I think for me, for me though, what gives it an, an added edge is that once upon a time, that kind of story would have been restricted to TV. It would have been a TV drama, right? But that doesn't mean to say that the story doesn't have credibility, and that's what, where the element of originality comes in, because they presented it 
on a big screen. And you can just imagine how effective that would be on a big screen if we saw it on a big screen. And that's why I, I think it it was brave to make the film, brave to put it out there, brave to give it this this platform just to see what sort of reception it, it got. And quite rightly, it's been recognised alongside the traditional Hollywood blockbusters. You know, so once upon a time, if it was nominated against a film like Judas and the Black Messiah or Mank, it wouldn't stand a chance, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But now a film like that will stand a serious chance and will be judged on an equal footing. And that's something you might not have got before. I think Brave is the word that I was looking for and couldn't find. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, he that's is Brave. Right. Yeah. That's, that's okay. the word. All right. All right. Okay. And all right. Uh, so, and um, basically, uh, I would say for this list, um, uh, for me, so so I think all of them are good choices. Uh, but for me, what I would probably say is I probably, I mean, I think that Nomadland is going to win it, but I probably say it's it's maybe a toss up between Promising Young Women, uh, Minari. And um, I don't know, uh, probably a toss up between those two, I think. Um, and I think the reason why is because both of them are the ones that got the most like they they entertained me, but they also gave me stuff to think about. Like they gave me they gave they were emotional experiences, but they also stayed with me on like a on somewhat of an intellectual level as well as an emotional level. Uh, I agree on Sound of Metal. Um, I think I, I think those three, Minari, Promising Young Women, and Sound of Metal, are the ones that I would definitely choose. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah was really great, um, and you know, Trial of the Chicago Seven was like you know kind of Oscar baity, but definitely still entertaining Oscar bait. Um, it was it, like, but something about again, I think it's something about just those three films in particular that kind of just stood out to me and kind of took me beyond just what you just expect for a standard film that is about important issues and brought it further into being a film about, you know, about emotional and uh, thematically weighty issues. Um, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'd, yeah. Uh, yeah. I would I'd probably say that. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. So. So I think that that probably wraps it up. I've gone through every single category. Um, so those are kind of our bets, and hopefully many of our picks will win when the ceremony happens on the 25th of April, Let's but see. we don't know. <laughs> yeah, hopefully so. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, it for this episode, and uh, there will be another one next time. Thank you. Thank you. Great. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.